pulls a knife, you pull a gun. He sends one of yours to the hospital, you send one of his to the morgue. That's the Chicago way. Kid. That's right. Uh, congratulations to your Bengals, by the way. Oh boy. <laughs> I uh, I had bought this bottle of Jameson IPA, uh, which I'd never seen this before. Um, <laughs> yeah, at, uh, at a super marche, and it really feels like this thing that like Jameson did like four years ago when IPAs were all the rage. It's like Jameson aged in like IPA barrels. And then by the time it was like ready to go to market, this sort of IPA thing had passed a little bit. So like, can we just sell this to French people maybe? (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, I had this revolting bottle of Jameson (laughs) IPA. And, uh, you know, having suffered through so many first round playoff eliminations, came into this thing with just a deep pit of dread in my stomach. And around the third quarter, when the Raiders are still hanging around, I was just like, fuck this. And just like basically just necked the entire like handle of Jameson IPA <laughs> in one go. Like, I just need to be absolutely numb and inured to whatever may happen here. And then, like, you know, sort of just floated out of a out of a haze to see the actual W. So it wasn't the most, like, satisfying uh, viewing experience. But nevertheless, the result was the desirous one. Uh, I like I, I, I like that Titans matchup. Yeah, that's a that's going to be a tough one. Yeah, I'm feeling good about it. I'm feeling good about the Bengals. This is not a football pod, but I, I was kind of hoping, yeah, we wouldn't have to play. I, I'm a Chiefs guy, so I was hoping we wouldn't have to play the Titans. And now, now we're playing the Bills, and that's not even any better. But I was very, very surprised when we pulled it out over your boys uh, at at PBS. Yeah, like that was that was not a game I thought that we were going to win. I ne- neither did I, but, <laughs> but we have constantly surprised ourselves. I mean, Mahomes is, you know, he's not Baker Mayfield right now. Mr. Mr. Nasty Man, Christ. Baker Mayfield. I, uh, <laughs> I, I watched uh, most of that, like, last Steelers-Browns game. That's about as shitty a fucking game as I've ever seen a quarterback have. Uh-huh. Really bad. And, you know, now he's it's- dealing with – He's got a mistress coming out of the woodwork. Well, there was like the like dumpster blowjob story, which rocks. Yeah, totally. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, yeah, he like he got he got he got married. If I'm not mistaken, the idea was that he cleaned up his act. And this is my girlfriend's from Cleveland. We were watching the game together, and I was like, "You know what? I think you know Baker's not been getting the dumpster BJ's. He's just not the same, man." I know he lived <laughs> behind a cheesecake factory. That was in by the, the grease. Lot. 
Not the not the just trash dumpster, the dumpster that has grease in it. Yeah, the grease, <laughs> yes. Yeah. He's yeah, he's got a whole set of problems. The best part about the mistress allegation was that she lost her jewel in the seats of his SUV. And that was like a big part of the thing was that she had to, while she was necking him, she had to like find her jewel and it turned into a whole thing. <laughs> um anyway, I digress. So so we're here with Nick. Um, the Substack is popping. Livestream Foley's part four is a hit. That was big. Big. It was definitely, definitely not like a totally core audience alienating exercise that took the better part of a year. Uh, really squandered a lot of goodwill that uh, I had built up to that point. Uh, really, from a from a purely marketing standpoint, we can say that Livestream Follies was a real coup. Well, like many great masterpieces, it's one of your strongest yet. And part four was was fantastic. I I, I enjoyed it. But outside of that, you are. You got a couple of things. You're in charge of curating the Metrograph bookstore. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm working with my pal, Matt Folden, and Matt is a real bookstore guy, and he is the person who is really uh, handling nuts and bolts aspects of the operation, including the e-com store. Uh, so, I mean, what I contribute if indeed I can be said to contribute anything is you know basically just sort of uh, a curatorial uh, oversight uh, try to sort of keep an eye on interesting publications that are coming down the pike uh, internationally also picking up some kind of antiquarian uh, tomes um but yeah i mean it, it's really matt who's like the the engine of the thing and i just uh you know do do i i do the fun bits basically so i mean that's also something that i'm doing over here is just buy buying out bookstores uh getting getting some good shit i love that how many copies of easy riders raging bulls <laughs> do you have kicking no no no, actually, it's no play in my ride. But, you know, we're going to have plenty of... Okay, there we go. Gallimard de Histoire de Cinema. And then, I'm fucking so in love with these. Uh, these reprints of Midi Minuit Fantastique. This is the fourth edition now. The first two are out of print. Uh, but this one just came out. Uh, it's... I don't know how many issues you have per, but uh, you know it's this '60s journal dedicated to sort of fantastic film, um, midi minuit fantastique, and they've just done a complete reprints of. Uh, I think we're into the like early '20s at this point, uh, like the first twenty-some issues now spread out through four volumes. You know, I have a couple of these bad boys. Getting that good shit. Yeah, that is that good shit. Wow. Man. I want to now we gotta take a trip to New York when those hit the shelves. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Please do, please do. Um yeah, it's been an extremely fun thing to do. Like uh, one of the 
few pleasures that I find in this veil of tears is fucking about with books. So having some kind of a professional pretext for doing so is extremely pleasant. I would imagine. So what are you doing in Paris specifically besides buying up all the books you can? Well, I have been contracted to write a second book. And really, it was something that I had hoped the latter part of last year would be dedicated to, but then various other uh, professional uh, obligations came up. So this is my attempt to kind of refocus and really put in some work on uh, on that book. Uh, the subject being the director, Jean Astache, uh, a critical biography of Jean Astache. Um, so I'm here basically buttonholing people from Astache's circle, those who are still around, just to log, log interviews uh, and immerse myself as much as possible in uh, you know, the, the world of Astache. And I did a bit uh, over the summer of last year. I went to Pesach um, right outside of uh, Bordeaux and Narbonne, which are the two towns that uh, Stash grew up in. So I have been doing my due diligence, uh, but this is my attempt to like carve out basically a month where I'm really in the zone and working on a Stash stuff. Massive, massive news. That's, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is like for as long as I've been writing, anytime anybody would ask me like, would you ever want to write a book? And if so, what would it be about? Always my answer has been John Astache. I want to do a John Astache book. And, you know, there's a variety of reasons why that's not the sexiest commercial proposition. Oh. Uh, more or less the entire filmography uh, doesn't exist on home video uh, due to uh, the infamous difficulty of Astache's uh, younger son, Boris, who is uh, the rights holder. So, you know, it's not as though this is a kind of household name, but for whatever reason, uh, I've finally, I, I've been adjudged to uh, be, I guess, a sufficient attraction in my own right to uh, launch this completely commercially impossible proposition uh so yeah and have you been dealing with his estate and boris i'm kind of saving boris uh you know there's like this completely like absurd fantasy that i have where like when i finally get there like we get along really good and it, He's like, oh, you know what? I've actually been really a fool in, uh, in the way that I've uh, you know, treated my father's intellectual property. Like I do, I have this like very puerile fantasy that I'll I'll unlock his heart, and uh, and he, these films will uh, suddenly be available for the first time since the like New Yorker VHS uh, Mother in the Whore days. Um, that can be the case. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm like, I, you know, he, he's Bowser. He's like, you know, he's 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 the he's the big boss. So I'm gonna kind of work my way up there. I think. 
You could convince him to get a dirty story out on Criterion, maybe. It's really interesting. Like, my friend Chris gave me this uh, magazine called Animal Shelter, or I guess more of a journal, um, published in 2013. And it has a couple of, uh, well, it has an Estash interview and then this uh, essay by Jean-Jacques Schul, um, Jean Estash, like nothingness. And, you know, these are things that I knew to some degree, but they're really made quite clear uh, in both this interview and this piece that, you know, Stosh had this really sort of truculently lazy personal philosophy uh, where, you know, he says many, many times, like, you know, he's only making films because you have to do something. If you had the option of doing nothing whatsoever, he would just as soon do nothing whatsoever. Uh, having to do something, making films is, you know, one of the less objectionable activities that you can engage in. Um, and years ago, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Marie-Pierre Duhamel, told me of Boris that he has a business card uh, which just says, Boris Estash, I do nothing. And, you know, in many regards, I think what's probably the case is that, you know, for Boris, like he thinks that his recalcitrance and his uh, sort of withholding of the films is like actually totally in keeping with who his father was. Um, and it does, you know, it makes a sort of sense, yeah. in fact. I can't disagree with um, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, uh, I'll cross that bridge when I come to it, if I come to it. If you can work over Boris, you can, when you go back to New York, you can try Lamont Young next. Get that guy to start releasing some things that he's hiding. Well, this is like a, this was like a, a television show idea that I had some time back which was uh, like an international hit squad that just went around wiping out inconvenient rights holders. <laughs> oh. So like one, one episode would be you'd have to go to Taiwan and kill Edward Yang's widow. <laughs> and, and, you know, and then you'd have like the, the Boris Estash episode. Um, yeah, for, it's, for whatever reason, it hadn't been picked up yet, but... Uh, <laughs> Got a couple of spec scripts. Yeah, that's big. That's what we really want. I mean, a new Stosh book, sure, whatever. I suppose I'll read it. Yeah. But <laughs> but how about a fucking cheese dick HBO series? <laughs> yeah. That could go forever too. That's you know, shit's getting better, yeah. but they're still out there nonstop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have another thing going on that we were just looking at that seems really exciting you are doing a series at anthology correct yeah 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 that was something that was originally scheduled for spring of 2020 and then uh, as you know the uh, scamdemic mm-hmm. thank you came in mm-hmm. uh so that was that was bumped uh finally at long last it will be seeing the light of day um yeah, I'm very, very happy to uh, to have that uh, finally coming along. Uh, the uh, 
the uh, title is Homecoming Films, and, you know, the idea is just generally films made by filmmakers who, for whatever reason, were uh, away from their native countries for a significant length of time. Uh, the films that they make when they return to uh, to their homeland. Uh, the real like motivating film, I think, was uh, this Jan Nemec movie, The Flames of Royal Love, which I saw at Carlo Vibari in 2019 and was just really like floored by, uh, which is, you know, Nemec had been away from uh Czechoslovakia, as I believe it still would have been in 1991, for the better part of 15 years, like being a wedding videographer in Sweden, and then, you know, just came back really, uh, you know, locked and loaded. And I started just thinking about how many instances there are of these films where somebody who has been, you know, again, away for a while, uh, and then come back and make a movie in their native land for the first time in a number of years. And it seems very often to act as this kind of uh, reinvigorating force. Uh, very often, you know, it's older filmmakers who may have uh, experienced some slight uh, fuzziness of focus who suddenly just like really really click into gear again. Uh, so yeah, put together a little program of these. Um, things by like Robert Siodmak and Fritz Long. Uh, we've got Wells's Touch of Evil, certainly uh, still a relatively uh, young feller when that movie is made, or you know, not uh, not in full full middle age desiccants. Um, yeah, uh, it's uh, a a program that I'm quite happy with. And then uh, I'm also going to be starting. Uh, I believe this is announceable at this point. Starting on February 19th, I'm going to be doing a monthly series with my pal Sean Price Williams, uh, which will be a sort of blindfolded screening series, uh, which is to say you don't know what you're going to see when you buy a ticket to it. Uh, the title of the series is City Dudes, and uh, we'll begin uh, February 19th with a movie that I can't tell you what it is, uh, but it will be myself and Sean once a month. Just show up, you get what you get. Oh, love that idea. Is that is that an anthology also? No, no, sorry, that's at uh, Roxy, uh, Roxy yeah. Cinema's Tribeca. Oh, yeah, I love that idea. I miss, miss yeah, what things. it's fun. Just take a look. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe Will and I'll make a trip out to that one, just roll the dice on, on one of those screenings. <laughs> That'd be uh, the ultimate. 19th is going to be very strong. February 19th is going to be very strong. I can say this much. Mm -hmm. Well, there is... Um, uh, da, 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 da. Yeah, I'm trying to recall the name. Hold on a sec. Yeah, apropos of the, the like blindfolded thing, there was uh, the screening series at the Close-Up Film Center in London called The Liberated Film Club. Uh, ran for about four years, 2016 to 2020, which Sean participated in at uh, one point. Um, but there is like, in that case, like sort of a strong conceptual hook uh, where you would have invited guests who would be introducing a film without knowing the film that they were going to introduce, uh, <laughs> which is like, you know, really smart and really interesting. 
we're not doing anything that is either smart or interesting. It's like, <laughs> you know, merely a way to sort of limbo around paying for certain things uh, by yeah. virtue of not announcing them. Uh, so, you know, what we're doing could be called a, like, much stupider version of the, you know, Liberated uh, Film Club. <laughs> well, we're all about that. The dumber, the better, personally. We'll use this real quick as a segue. We have, we have an ad. Will? Oh, yeah. Would you like to announce the thing that we've yeah, that we're, we put uh, together? Uh, Oscar Bait is now going to do an in-person event. Our very first one. So not just voices. Now you can see our faces pretty soon. Uh, partnering up with the uh, Music Box Theater here in Chicago. Um, we're, we're reviving a series that had a brief sort of, uh, sort of run when I lived in L.A. with a film collective called The Mall. Uh, bringing back this series called Highs and Lows. And it is a, it's a series of double features where we uh, put together a... Um, movie that's typically known as a mainstream pop culture movie uh, with a stone cold canonically loved art house classic uh, and see what see what blooms between the two um, tickets are on sale now uh, check out the trailer also um, but you know shit like Angus and Machete coming soon uh, How High and Daisies we got Ed TV and Symbiopsychotaxoplasm take one um, all sorts of shit but yeah, and also everything will be on 35, except for, strangely enough, all the prints of How High and Ed TV have seemingly been destroyed. So those two will be DCP. <laughs> but we're also, you know, we're flying in a print of a Graduate First uh, to pair with American Pie. So we'll have a lovely imported 35 millimeter print of that also. Um, but yeah, come check our shit out. And this is also part one. Part two is going to get even weirder, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, graduate be- first. I know it is passe ton back devil. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, we forget where you're Sorry, at. that threw me a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we have the rare print from the Cinematheque Francaise. Somehow we justified Music Box to spend money on that. It's actually shout out to DePaul University for oh, uh, yeah. And one of the professors there who I used to do some stuff with at Music Box, Andy Stasiulis, he's a, he's a peach. And uh, he convinces DePaul periodically to throw, you know, some money to the Music Box. And he got that money to come through. So shout out to DePaul for paying for that print. Thank you, DePaul. And I guess we'll, you know, for, for, the, for the listeners out there that are streetwear fans, if you like your streetwear... <laughs> This is an exclusive announcement. My good friends, the Boot Boys out of New York City will be delivering our own highest and low shirt. So stay, if you, you know, stay tuned to their website, they will be up there and uh, all proceeds um, go to us. So um, do we have anything else to say with that, Will? I mean, you know, you, you have one you're most excited for. You want to tell people to come check out? I mean, oh, yeah. I guess before that, everything plays, every double feature plays twice with the order flipped. So, yeah, you know, um, yeah. I would recommend if you can check it out both ways. Things get even more interesting. Yeah. How high in daisies is going to hit very differently. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. First back and forth. So, yeah, please. Yeah, definitely go to that one. I mean, Dumb and Dumbery to Mommy It might be fun. 
Uh, that one's great. There, that's the one I think the movies are the most similar. Yeah, or Billy Madison and Phantom of Liberty. Yeah, um, I was gonna say with the like Dumb and Dumber, E2 Mama Tumbi, I'm like, I'm not sure which is like the commercial film and which is the art house film. There, that's the hope yeah. of this whole shindig. Breaking down barriers. Blur, blur those lines. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, please, anyone listening, tickets are on sale. Go see Licorice Pizza in 70 millimeter and see our trailer in front of it. So yeah, if you're not in New York and can't make the Homecoming series or the blind roll the dice series. Or, or city dudes. City yeah. Dudes. <laughs> yeah. Depending on which city you're in, uh, you know, go go to one of those. That, that city city dudes reminds me the way that it was before my time before i was in los angeles but the way that cine family actually started was this uh the a couple of the it's dudes, really the model we're hoping to emulate <laughs> <laughs> well you're you know you're ahead of the game you know what not to do <laughs> yeah but yeah they used to do it was at the newer theater because when a couple of the dudes eventually that did cine family were working at cinephile video and you could just go on eBay and there was like a, just a, you know, endless 35 millimeter prints of feature films, um, you know, and IMDb was not what it was. And so the rule was they would go and if they couldn't find it on IMDb, they would just buy it. And then after work, they would go over to the newer and it was this like, you know, text chain of people who would just come mm. and blind watch a movie that no one could, you know, find anything about. But yeah, allegedly that's how, that's how it began. So I hope City Dudes has a permanent theater space soon. <laughs> Start yeah. your own. Start a theater that's entirely blind screenings. <laughs> definitely, as with more or less all of my undertakings, I anticipate seeing a great deal of material wealth from this. <laughs> yes. That's why you do what you do. You yeah, know. yeah, yeah. All that all that guaranteed money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, City Dudes, uh, Years, years and years ago, this is like one of the great pleasures of uh, having some like slight leeway to uh, kind of do things that, you know, a few years ago would have been more difficult, but you know, people seem to be like entrusting me with uh, things uh, a, l- a little bit more. And I just have this huge just backlog of stupid fucking jokes that I can just like now dig out. So like City Dudes is like a fake band name that I made up like 15 years ago. <laughs> it has been amusing me. <laughs> amusing me for this entire time. So when uh, when the offer was put before us to do this, uh, I was like, yeah, City Dudes, we will be doing <laughs> City Dudes. <laughs> you just gotta wait till it's perfect. Wait for that right yeah. When you know the joke's good. Yeah, yeah, and I think I, we we have a we have a logo coming, which I think is going to be pretty pretty ill. Okay, if you're in New York, please go see this so we can you know you can keep getting Nick to make more and more of these series because I'm personally looking forward to uh, the one you told us about last time, which was movies that you you got mm-hmm. some in for the first time. Yeah, the the hand job series. Yeah, about that shit all the time. Still, I want it to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's it's very funny because anytime you do mention this to somebody, there's like a like three second pause, and then they're like uh, Marmaduke. <laughs> <laughs> yep, gotta go back and find it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, hey, when you're tired of you know traveling to places, 
uh, like France and stuff, and you want to come out to Chicago, well, uh, well, since we're in Chicago, since we're gonna blow up the world with highs and lows, the next thing you come out, we can make that series happen. (laughs) I got, I got many, many homies in Chicago, that toddling town. Yes, it is. It's toddling along. Did I ever tell you about uh, the 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 first uh, the first film that I saw in Chicago? I don't think so. Double, it was a double feature of Under Siege Two and Judge Dredd. <laughs> Under Siege Two is the movie I first saw boobs in. Yeah, so that's, that's and you big. immediately emailed the director. And I did, yeah, <laughs> and said, "Hey, Hoss. <laughs> yeah. Hey, amigo." <laughs> <laughs> My solid ombre. Can I please get that? <laughs> I, Yo, I can only see this on HBO. Yo, James, movie straight up suck dick. Can I see them titties, though? <laughs> yeah. I need an advanced copy of Breastman <laughs> immediately. I can't keep sneaking this downstairs every time it's on HBO. Oh. He, he's got a like Russian bride. I don't want to talk about this guy. <laughs> <laughs> We can't come back to him again. Oh, got some, some angry Belarusian woman <laughs> glowering around. Oh, where did you see that double feature at in Chicago? I have actually, I have actually tried very hard to determine yeah. where it was. Uh, it was. The first time I ever went to Chicago, my dad, uh, who's in the sheet metal roofing business, uh, had come out to do some fucking sheet metal stuff and uh i just like came along and you know very you know i, I guess i must have been like 14 at the time uh but like got into this you know enormous city full of uh you know cultural treasures uh that i'd never been to before and as immediately like, i want to go see under siege 2 just, just leave me alone. I'm go watch Rob Schneider crack wise and uh, hear the hear the cool uh, Cure original song Dread Song on the uh, motion picture soundtrack. Oh wow! What's interesting is I've had people like try to determine this for me, and uh, it was like there were like four theaters that were doing that double feature in Chicago like at that time. <laughs> Those days are have faded a bit, but they're coming back in the city of Chicago. Yeah, give me one second. Oh yeah, take it, take it, John, for sure. Damn this this fucking green drink, dude! I can't, I can't drink it all. <laughs> I made too much. <laughs> Just put some ice house in it. You're hooch. Yeah, I guess it's your day off. So yeah, yeah, man. It's like two p.m. Yeah, maybe I will have a beer here in a second. <laughs> Might help my hangover that I was like, I'm definitely not going to drink enough. I'm like not going to drink last night. And then you drank enough. I did. <laughs> yeah. I made a I made a pot of chili, too. While uh, you were drunk or did that today? I did that before I got drunk. But, yeah. you know, 10 hours slow cook. It was mm, delicious. I admire your patience. Yeah. Yeah. It paid off, though. Um. <laughs> What was the next question I was going to ask? I had it on my mind. You blew um, it. We blew it. Yeah, I blew it. You had to go to the bathroom. And I've already like lost. Wyatt and Billy. Um, so recently, this was a, a fun 
uh, interview I came across with you and the director of the movie Breakdown. Oh, yeah, Jonathan Mosto. Yeah. And I love that movie. I, I think it's fantastic. So it was really cool. The curly brown hair upstairs and down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Um, do you want to talk about him a little bit? Uh, no, I mean, that that came together rather hastily. Um, you know, this is part of my uh, editorial duties at Metrograph. I've been working with uh, the wonderful Annabelle Ivy Brady Brown and a fellow called Gabriel, uh, Gabriel, Jesus Christ, Jadali Appel, Gabriel Jadali Appel. Get that actually right. Um <laughs> uh providing original editorial uh texts um providing original text for the metrograph website uh mostly up to this point being kind of led by programming so there's a kurt russell series on right now and uh it so happened we learned that gabriel uh sort of uh, that Mostow is kind of a family friend of his family. Uh, so lined it up pretty quickly and had like a very, very nice and uh, I think quite elucidating uh, chat about the film. Yeah, it's a, you know, it's a movie I saw theatrical when it came out, which absolutely made an impression on me at the time. Uh, as with, I think a lot of, kind of mid-range genre fare of that period uh it now looks like fucking vertigo like the uh sort of general median level of craftsmanship is dipped so low that you know when you just see a like well-employed uh train shot uh your jaw drops to the floor but you know it's a movie i've always held in high regard which uh now looks all the better uh a great great russell performance a perhaps even greater jt walsh performance maybe walsh's last screen role i think he i think he may have been dead prior to the release of the movie no, well, no, he did The Negotiator after that. Okay. But close. But very nearly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. very nearly. He, he yeah, went out with The Negotiator and Pleasantville. Yeah, oh, that's right, that's right. By all accounts, just like the loveliest man in the world. Mm-hmm. And he is so absolutely insalubrious and revolting in Breakdown. <laughs> he really is. I have to ask, what are your thoughts, since you're a Breakdown fan, what are your thoughts on uh, T3? I liked, I, you know, I haven't seen it since it came out, but, like, I, I liked it very much when it came out. I like T3, I like Surrogates, I'm like, uh, I like uh, U571, like, I, you know. That's a good one, yeah. Yeah, I, I just, you know, I, I have a real soft spot for, you know, these guys who are just, like, sound fundamental guys like you know great kind of utility player directors and you know it's a pretty a pretty unheralded and endangered species at this point and we you know there's just not an ounce of like pretense on you know any of these any of these movies they're just you know they're lean 
they're smart. They're like you know, terribly well worked through. So yeah, I, I, uh, I was, I was happy to uh, be able to burnish the legend of Jonathan Mostow, however slightly. What are your thoughts on his straight to VOD film? About the Hunter's Prayer. Hunter's Prayer. Yeah, I downloaded Hunter's Prayer with the intention of uh, watching it, but uh, time did not allow. Maybe tonight I will blaze the Hunter's Prayer. <laughs> I'm, I, I might tonight, honestly. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like. Everything about it seems pretty appealing. It's like 91 minutes. It's called The Hunter's Prayer. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like, what else? Yeah, you got Sam Worthington in it. He looks kind of dope. I've never been a huge Worthingtonian, but uh, yeah, a brief perusal of the Wikipedia plot summary sounded like more than more than acceptable. With your year of oh, another year of dealing with the cinema. Have you had, mm-hmm. have you had a, I mean, you didn't, you don't have a top 10 this year published on year in lists. No, I, I'm uh, sometime this week, I'm going to get something out on the sub stack, uh, which is, I guess, my sort of year in review, but truthfully, uh, I is just didn't Jameson see it. Enough. No, 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 this is a, uh, this is a Chateau Prior Le Tour. Mm. 2016 undoubtedly better than the ipa you suffered through yeah yeah that was fine yeah i mean i i i just didn't see enough to like feel like i have the ability to issue any kind of comprehensive uh statement about 2021 like i i didn't see either the hamaguchi movies uh same i'm still not seeing those yet yeah, I mean, it, there are a lot of things that I think have a a pretty good claim on probably being really interesting uh, that I just did not get around to. Uh, so, I mean, I've, I've made my little year in review, but it, it doesn't like claim to be any kind of wrap of uh, 2021 because I just didn't see enough, you know. Were there a couple that really stood out to you um like uh did you see west side story by chance fucking rules man Dude, it's so good it's so sick it's a very sick movie i 100 percent agree uh yeah no it's i was absolutely shredded by this film i guess i guess i just come on here to enthuse about steven spielberg <laughs> yeah. this is like... no one's no one's talking about this guy and we need yeah yeah this guy's a bit below the radar <laughs> <laughs> i still i still haven't seen fucking west side story john texted me after seeing it the second time where he watched it at the movie theater while i was working at my dog job next to that movie theater <laughs> the old people in the theater with me were like they just kept staring at me because i was we like truly crying underneath my mask and they probably thought i had covid or something absolutely absolutely in tears for yeah. the entire two and a half hour runtime <laughs> seriously though but i mean like part of it part of it was like uh i i, I saw it in cleveland in fact and uh like the previews were for like uh was jared leto's mobius right oh. uh Mor- morbius morbius 
Come on. He's not the, he's not the friend of cartoonist. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He wasn't a member of uh, Cluster or Noi. Yeah. Uh, yeah Morb is like a Morbius. Tra- it's just like just watching these just like absolutely deadening fucking images. It's just is like the absolute like death rattle of cinema. And then just to see a thing that's like an actual movie and, uh, you know, pathetic as it may be but just like from the from jump you're like shit a person made this This is a real fucking movie and yeah i'm just like gasping howling uh Uh, yeah the opening is quite striking i was really not expecting it to go to the uh the tearing down of the slums to the creation lincoln center that was definitely didn't see that coming it rocked so hard yeah it It rocked so hard did you get the trailer for Joe Wright's uh, Cyrano adaptation? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sure now. Yeah, he's a small fellow. <laughs> From the uh, uh, Game of Thrones show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was on that, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's like a musical. The, the people in the theater were losing it, though. I mean, I was with the geriatric crowd, but they were just... I liked it. Oh, they loved it. They can't wait to get some of that. <laughs> they were, yeah, they were asking each other questions right before they. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to remember what the like song that. Uh, everything. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to send it to Will, but I didn't want to get caught with my phone. And <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll... bombastic. <laughs> yeah. Just because I'm below 5'1", I'm not good. Just because I'm a little fellow. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, we'll have to have you back when that one drops. Yeah. Go into it. I'm going to do it live. I'm going to do it live with Peter Dinklage. (laughs) Yes. Our first live stream. I saw him. I saw him once uh, in uh, Red Hook. New York, not the neighborhood in Brooklyn, but uh, upstate New York. How did that encounter go? He was consuming a big dish of pasta. That's not that interesting. (laughs) (laughs) But he was eating pasta. I mean... Yeah, you wouldn't expect that, right? (laughs) He's short, man. He's at that table. He's got the big plate of pasta. It's another Everything! Yeah, Will, Will, continue this going while I look up the title of that song. <laughs> can we can we get that to, like, play me out? Yes, that's yes. exactly what we're going to do. do that. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, we got to close that shit. Did you, did you see The Last Duel? Oh, no. <laughs> oh I always want to know the, the Ridley, the late Ridley takes. <laughs> Is the least interesting dude in the world to me. <laughs> Where do you? Oh, where I'll do watch. You I'll watch Dinklage off? and Cyrano fifteen times before I fucking watch the last duel. <laughs> Where's your? Do you have a? Do you have a? a oh, right. Joe Wright. Joe Wright is fucking Carl Theodore Dreyer compared <laughs> to fucking Ridley Scott. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> come on! I gotta hear this song. I gotta hear this song. All right. So here come it comes. On. I think. All right. Boy, they don't name. I'll have to get the song later. Well. Well, then we're going to have to scooch ahead here. 
All right, here we go. Wait, it cut out when it dropped. <laughs> where's the drop? Yeah, where'd the drop go? Where's the drop? Yeah, we can't, we can't hear shit over here, John. It cut out like as soon as it dropped. It cut out. Oh my god, we're going back. Here we go. <laughs> Hold on. Yeah, I heard like flower. I heard the beautiful flower. And then... I'd give anything. <laughs> Yeah, here you go. You are a beautiful flower. I am not a flower. <laughs> so sick. Yeah, we'll save the rest of it to play you off. So. Oh, it's so yeah. dirty. Yeah, it's it's you know, it's thunderous, and that the audience was losing it, and they were queued up because they saw the. Uh, you must padding. have the choice. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they were ready, man, because the Fathom Events screening of Casablanca got them all going. Like they were like, "Oh my god, man!" I think Joe Wright. He's this is the year. Right after Woman in the Window, you know. You well, we, just got, we just got the pull quote for the poster because they can just cut it off and just say Joe Wright is Carl Carl Theodore Drake. <laughs> Yeah, you were waiting for him to come back for his, you know, the, the level he was operating on with atonement and welcome back. There's going to be some long takes of Cyrano walking up the... I'd give know. anything. <laughs> we're officially coming down that we're all very excited for Cyrano. Yeah. <laughs> it, looks, it looks pretty sick. <laughs> It does. Are there any, is there anything else that you can think of that y- you know you've seen coming up as a something you just want to keep an eye on? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cyrano's huge, obviously. Um, fucking a. That's a yeah. That's a good question. I usually anticipate things. Let's see. The Ray Donovan movie just dropped. Oh yeah, yeah. You're hearing a lot about that in the streets. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's talking about the Ray Donovan movie. I'm not. I, I'll be frank. I'm not 100 percent clear on what Ray Donovan's occupation is. He, he's a Hollywood fixer. Interesting. Yeah, he takes care of problems. I just remember it would come on after Twin Peaks: The Return, and so you know, yeah. I had to keep the train rolling. My friends and I would maybe. Take a couple of minutes out of Ray Donovan. There's and uh, the, is the show off the air? The show is now off the air with the... See one, one last adventure. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> nail in the coffin. Donovan yeah. suiting up to fix something. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I can't even think of anything. And it's, that would be fun to talk about that's coming out. Yeah, I don't know what's coming. I'm just excited about Cyrano. I just I just wanna I just wanna sing the Cyrano song. <laughs> well, do you have any parting thoughts that you want to leave us with so we can let you get back to your Parisian escape? With that fucking sick disco bomb. Yeah. Well, my parting thought would be uh, we must let her decide. <laughs> it must be her choice. What more needs to be said? 
All right, and with that, as strong of a sign-off as uh, and like, and let it be known, the minute, the minute I am signed off here, I'm gonna be listening to this Cyrano song, <laughs> just going fucking ape shit, just slamming the rest out of my fucking mind. <laughs> yeah, get it out of the way before your girl gets there. Just you know. <laughs> Oh, no, she's, gonna, she's gonna she's gonna get it many times over <laughs> gentlemen a pleasure as ever oh thanks for joining me as ever man ciao, ciao. i give anything for someone